0: Pushing on through, keeping it going, keeping the train running, and delivering amazing content from the longest-running
1: replant podcast (laughs) in the world. Do you think we are the longest-running? We might be. I don't know. For
0: replanting, I, I think the replant, I mean, it depends on whether you count the new iteration, revitalize, and replant as a replanted new podcast or as a continuation of what it used to be, because they have outlasted us. If you continue, if you counted as one whole thing, but with the reiteration of revitalize and replant, if if it's a new thing, then we are the longest lasting on replanting, not on revitalization, but on replanting.
1: Yeah, that's good. I th- I think we might have to in- invoke the Southern Baptist unofficial historian Luke Holmes to mm. make a call on that. Luke was a great guest a couple episodes back. Yeah. And uh, maybe, maybe he can yeah. maybe he can uh, be the de- deciding voice on whether we're the longest or whether the reboot of Revitalize and Replant with Mark Clifton and Mark Halleck and Dan Hurst and various assorted guests yeah. is actually a new thing. It seems like a new thing to me. Yeah, it feels like a new thing. So I, I'm happy to take that title and wrestle it from anybody who claims it.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. There aren't very many podcasts about replanting. So it's not a, it's not a big pond we're swimming in here, but
1: (laughs) it's more like a puddle, (laughs) (laughs) but Jimbo, it's enough to be a refreshing dip of cool water in the replant world. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I think so. Yes. You know, the, the, the dozen people that listen to this podcast contact us regularly and let us know how much they appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, Jimbo, I I think it's I don't know that we've ever gotten criticism. I can't. I mean, surely we have, but I I mean, maybe we only have fans. So.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, surely
1: uh, only only supportive fans. Yeah. Now that I say that, we'll probably have somebody that gets ticked off and writes us a letter. Yeah. Something Mm -hmm. like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, last week. We
0: talked about brain fog and fatigue, and my daughter's homemade stress ball blew up all over me and got flour all over me. And so we come back this week and kind of continue the theme of the brain, the mind, how to think about things, and really talk about the the disconnect between what professing Christians know about the Bible's content and what they do about the Bible's content, and how do we... How do we get ourselves sometimes locked in a way of thinking and in a perpetuity of negativity? And how do we unlock that and and get back on what we're supposed to be focused on?
1: Yeah, this reminds me of a, a story that is part of the Bickford lore, Like Christmas is Ruined. Okay. And I don't know if I've ever told it on this podcast. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't, but... Even if you have, I'm just going to pretend like it's brand new. (laughs) Great. (laughs) So uh, my brother-in-law was getting married and I was serving at a church in Texas and I had a conference to go to. And so Barb and the kids were going to have to fly from Corpus Christi to Kansas City with a stopover in Dallas. So... The kids are probably six and four at the time, the big kids. So Barb was a little nervous about flying by herself with the kids. The kids were a little bit nervous. I think they could feel it from mom. So Barb gets them from Corpus to Dallas. And the DFW airport is not necessarily an easy airport to navigate. Mm -mm. It's not my favorite airport. It's probably one of my least favorite airports, by the way. So anyway, back in the day, she rolled in there and she thought, well, all right, we're here in plenty of time. They found their gate. Let's go to McDonald's. Let's get the kids some happy meals. Let's, you know, feed them before the flight and then we'll get on our flight. Well, the gate changed. And Jimbo, when you have a gate change at DFW, you're usually pretty far away. So she had to run with the kids, dragging them through the terminal. And she had to go all the way to, to uh, almost the opposite end. And, as they were about to embark on their foot race, my son dropped his bag in his Happy Meal, and he said this and exclaimed it very loudly. I knew this would happen. I knew we shouldn't have come. And then he just melted down. And so we often will say, back in the day, we used to call him Mr. Doomsday because he would just, man, he would, <laughs> he would doomsday on stuff. And Jimbo... <laughs> That's us sometimes. Yeah. We get in our minds, this is how it's gonna be. I knew this would happen. I knew I shouldn't have come. I knew I shouldn't have done this. You know, so maybe a replanter's out there going, he probably says this. I didn't know this would happen, but <laughs> I'm done. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, it's it, there. I'm I'm a pretty naturally optimistic guy, even at times overly optimistic. But you get into enough of a funk with circumstances just continuously not going the way you thought they were going to go, and it can become really easy to kind of get trapped in that and just assume the worst about everything. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and that's a hard place to... That's like, when I was in that season for a little while, man, it was hard to like show up on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It was hard on, on you know, Wednesdays, on outreach days on any day where i knew i had to interact with our people it was just really hard to be motivated because i i couldn't get myself in a mindset that things were going to be not horrible mm-hmm. like and in my every interaction i thought well, this is gonna be horrible this is gonna be a horrible sermon horrible day i'm gonna get another complaints and critiques and i mean and nothing god's not even moving here and i don't even know why we're here
1: <laughs> yeah
0: you know it as what is it clifton says you know where you've wanted to pull the fire alarm so that you didn't have to have church that
1: morning (laughs) i know oh my gosh yeah and so that has to deal with your state of mind yeah right and a lot of revitalizers and renewal pastors and replanters have been taking it on the chin for so long maybe weeks months maybe even years that they're just in a mindset of i don't know that i can take another shot I don't know if I want to even talk to people or be around people. I just kind of want to do my sermon and get out of here. Right. So you get locked in that mindset. So I think we're going to talk about this subject called mindfulness. Now, mindfulness is not a term that you're going to find in the new Testament or the old Testament. Uh, It's actually sort of a secular term, but the idea behind it is that you pay attention to the thoughts that are in your mind. You pay attention to what you're thinking and Oftentimes, what you will will discover is that your, your thinking could be informed by emotion, mm-hmm. negative emotion. On the opposite side, could be over optimism. Yeah, or, or your thinking could be based on lies that you believe, or untruths that run counter to scripture. Or it could be just Jimbo that you your thinking has. Uh, drifted into a place that is dark and discouraging because it's just the culmination of taking a lot of hits and being really fatigued and tired.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, while you might not see the, the word mindfulness, I think, I think about second Corinthians chapter 10 where it tells us to take, mm-hmm. take every thought captive. Yep. And you know, one of the things that I've learned in studying the way the brain works is there are a lot of parts of the brain but largely, there's a limbic part of the brain that is emotion and trauma and some other things. And then there's the frontal lobe, which is logic and decision-making and strategy. And they don't typically work very well at the same time together in congruence. So you're typically primarily operating out of one part and not the other. And when we can get so attached into the limbic brain and emotions and the like man it can just be so overwhelming and we're not even really thinking logically and, and when you think about that you know your frontal lobe isn't fully developed till you're like 20 25 years old right mm-hmm. and so it's like reverting back to being 15 years old and now trying to make you know good wise rational logical decisions which most 15 year olds are not very good at And so we, we have to really make sure we're in the right mindset and literally right part of our brain and take our thoughts captive and stop and evaluate where's this thought process coming from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I was, as you were saying all that, I was thinking about what was 15 year old Jimbo like. Oh man. And Yeah. That would have been, that's pre Jesus Jimbo, right? I think. Yes. Yes. That would have been that. That's a Jimbo. I would like to have uh, some videotape on and maybe see. Oh man! Praise God that cell phones and social media
0: were not a a thing. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So if if you get in that mindset, if you are trapped in that mindset, and you need to, you know, there's a lot about brain science that's been super helpful for us in terms of how do you chart a new, what's called a neural pathway. Mm -hmm. And I think we might have done some. A podcast on that before, if I'm, if I don't recall, I know we've talked about it and I've done a presentation about it. You know, the church, uh, what the other half of church, I think talks about that some, which is a good resource. But when we think about pastors and we think about getting a negative mindset, one of the things I just want to draw us back to, you talked about the Corinthians passage. I want to bring us to Romans and Paul writes, he says, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then here we go. And he talks about the mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm. So Paul points out some things here for us as we think about this idea of mindfulness. And we don't really specifically want to talk about Christian mindfulness and letting God have our minds and presenting our minds before him. So I think the. One of the first things that I would say is if you're in a brain fog, if you're stuck in a rut and you're thinking, if you're in a negative place, a good question to ask is, have you been regularly presenting yourself before the Lord as an as a a worshiper? Yeah, as a living sacrifice to say, Lord, here I am in my weakness and here I am in my sin. And Lord, you have saved me in Christ and I'm asking you to transform me. And I'm here saying that I want to be a useful servant in your hands for your purposes. And right now my mind is not in a position to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so Paul's helping us see that part of our followership is regularly being a sacrifice, or, or placing it. It's like placing a sacrifice on an altar. It doesn't get up. It doesn't leave. It stays there. It is. It's before the Lord. It's given to the Lord to use as to use up for his glory and for his honor. And so in many ways, we might be able to, to, we might find ourselves in a position where we might be saying, Lord, I'm going to have to lay myself on the altar and specifically my thinking. And I'm going to have to to offer my heart and my mind as a sacrifice and ask that you receive it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I
0: think just being able to recognize that your thinking is not headed in the right direction, taking that to the Lord and surrendering that is just a phenomenal first step. I think another thing is, is getting outside perspective. So one, you can do that through, I mean, talk to somebody and just be like, Hey man, I just need a vent. And can you, can you give me some perspective here on Mm -hmm. missing what I'm not like, here's, here's how I'm interpreting what's going on right now. And, and somebody that is going to help you normalize the emotions, but also, analyze what's actually going on and help you see some real perspective another thing is get perspective just see that like things probably aren't as bad as you think they are Mm -hmm. and and not in the trite like well other people have it worse but like truly get outside of yourself a little bit i think so my wife deals with anxiety depression and she calls it a a disease of self-focusedness or something like Mm -hmm. that and Mm -hmm. we get so self we get turned in so much on ourselves that we really can't see what's going on with other people. And so we had a Sunday school teacher early in our marriage that was a medical doctor. And my wife went to him and was talking about some depression she was experiencing at the time. And he literally wrote on a prescription pad, go sit in an ICU waiting room and pray for the family. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the idea being like, man, that's, you don't want to talk about real hardship and like, Go sit in an ICU waiting room and watch his families. Don't you know? I've been in that waiting room for loved ones. That's that's the hardest, deepest, heaviest moments of your life, and and just gives you perspective. Just if you could just pull yourself out of yourself for a little bit, and and get some outside perspective of what's actually going on, it can be helpful as you surrender that to the Lord.
1: Man, I love that advice, and it, it reminds me. There's a really old song, and your parents probably rocked out to this song, and you may have heard it. But there was a, a song, that I I can't even remember who, who who it's by. We'll have to Spotify it. But poor pitiful me, you remember that? No. Poor, poor pitiful me. There's this song that just talks about when we do become so absorbed in our own situation, we take pity. We start taking pity on our, ourselves for our, for our situation, and I, I, and that's a hard. I question. looked it up. So Linda Ronstadt. There you go. Yeah, Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. Yeah. That was back in the uh late 70s, early 80s, I think, probably. Something like that. Uh,
0: 1977. There
1: you go, man. Bicentennial year almost, I guess, a little after that. So yeah. good times. So anyway, here's another thing I think that, that would be helpful. And Paul writes, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So he, he's saying there are two categories here that we need to be aware of the the world or the world is category that is the some people used to use the old King James word carnal right the fleshly world and then the spiritual world and so there's a a pull on our mind to be conformed to the way that our flesh or the world thinks right so a renewal pastor can think sometimes I'm not successful. Because they look at the world, the world's markers of success in terms of resources, size, notoriety, influence, all those sorts of things. Right. There's a whole number of things that we could begin to give our mind to and think that would be more characteristic of the world. They could be negative things. They could be overinflated things, all of these sorts of things. And so one of the things I think is mm-hmm. is important is if we could just sit down and perform a spiritual audit about our thinking. Yeah. Right. And ask ourselves: Is this biblical thinking, or is this carnal, fleshly, sinful world thinking? Right, and that's what you talk about—holding, taking your thoughts captive. And I would often do that, Jimbo, and I have often done that when I talk to myself. You ever? And here's the reality: most of us talk to ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. You probably had an encounter and you walked away from it and you said, "Man, I—that was stupid of me to say this, this, and this," right? Or Man, if I had just redone that, like mm-hmm. if, I wish I could have that conversation back, or these people are out for me, or you know whatever it is, like you you have all these thoughts that are going. And so I think you just have to ask yourself, what am I telling myself, and is it faithful to the scripture? Is it honoring to God, and is it true, or is it condemning? Is it self gratifying or satisfying to think these thoughts and are these things that I could put before the Lord and have him be pleased with me? And so like do my doing a spiritual audit is taking, taking into account the things that I'm telling myself about me or about the situation or the circumstances that I find myself in.
0: Yeah, I think part of a spiritual audit is, you know, I always like to go back to the fruit of the Spirit mm-hmm. and look at like where, you know, where am I in the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Like, am I I slipping on those? Am I I still kind of holding fast on those? Or, uh, you know, if I'm slipping on them, like, where is that? Why is that? What's going on? And I think probably a part of that for a lot of pastors is going to go back to what we talked about last week and that you have uh, a frazzled schedule. You're overcommitted. You're overworked. You're under rested. You're not resting in Christ. You are not abiding in Christ. You are frantically trying to get an insane amount of things done because you have some sort of pressure that you feel like you have to live up to something that, that really the, maybe, maybe somebody is making you try to live up to something, but the Lord is not. Mm -hmm. And so you're not taking time to rest. And I'm not just talking about taking a nap, like rest in the Lord, Mm -hmm. like abide in Jesus, let him be your refuge or rest in the scriptures and, and in worship and, and really let the Lord be your strength in a time of trouble.
1: Yeah, it's a good segue for me to talk about the third thing I think we we can do when we're in this, you know, difficult space in terms of our thinking and our mind is really apply scripture to the things that God reveals. So we've done the spiritual audit, we've sat down, we've talked about to ourselves, we've maybe even journaled, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm dealing with, here's what I'm struggling with. We've named it and something specific has come up. I think we need to then... Like the, the Lord does often is is to go to the scriptures and let the Lord apply the the truth of scripture to whatever it is that God reveals, whether it be pride or worry or bitterness or doubt, whatever those things are, whether it's condemning ourselves, we just need to let the, the word speak to us to tell us truth, because that's what transforms our thinking in our mind, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Not just identifying it and going, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about this, right? Well, we've got to replace that, right? You got to clean it out. You have got to move the old out and move the truth of God's word in, so that you can live a vital, a vital, and sustained life where the Lord is is speaking and the Lord is equipping and the Lord is healing and the Lord is giving hope. And so, this is what renews our mind, not just looking and doing an audit, but bringing in the Word of God to speak to the speak the truth to the places that we need to hear it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, and I've mentioned this on here before, a podcast before, praying to the Psalms daily, you know, the five Psalms of the day, you know, reading through Proverbs, things like that, that just consistently take you to the hope of the Lord and the Lord is your refuge and focus you on him and his greatness and not on yourself and not throwing a a pity party. We've also talked uh, on here at times, like sometimes when we throw pity parties, it's really good. Kind of like the ICU waiting room prescription. Read people who went through like legit crazy suffering. Mm hmm. The Lord, you know, read Nick Ripken's books, Insanity of God or Insanity of Obedience. Read Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Read Corey Ten Boom. Read, read some people who have real, and and read how in those times they had to really turn and find their hope in the Lord because there wasn't (laughs) there was no hope anywhere else. And let the Lord use their witness and their testimony to teach you how to take your thoughts captive, renew your mind, focused on Scripture, focused on His faithfulness, and find your hope in Him again.
1: Love it, Jimbo. I, I think that, you know, we've wrapped up the, some good, helpful suggestions. And I, I think maybe a good application point for our listeners to do, even right now as this podcast is closing, is just for them to maybe sit uh, alone somewhere in silence mm-hmm. and just ask the Lord to say, Hey, Jesus, would you reveal my thinking to me? And would you show me where it is unhelpful and unholy and not honoring to you and untrue? And would you lead me to the truth that I might understand you, be healed, be whole, and walk with you in faith, experiencing fruitfulness regardless of my circumstances? Absolutely. You know, I think Psalm
0: 46 is a great psalm for a moment like this, where it starts out, Psalm 46 starts out with David talking about the Lord being the refuge, but then you get to verse 10 and it's, you know, we, most of us know verse 10, be still and know Mm -hmm. that I am God and that that phrase be still it's best translated some version of stop fighting or cease striving and kind of kind of let go stop and, and let the lord and just sit just sit in the goodness of the lord and talk to him share with him what's going on and he really is there and he really is there for you and he really is your refuge Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E e-i-g-h-t-y church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward